I was like, I was thinking about like how people say about like destiny. I think in like versus free will, I think there's a mixture of it. Like you might have a set, there's set paths for you, but it's up to you to choose which one you go into. Like let's say there's three paths, and one's like a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer, and it's up to you to figure out to choose which one, and then you go into that path. So I think when you decide to stay in LA, it was like one of those moments. I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Get Podcast. I'm your host Zeke, and in this episode, I have Rocky to speak about being an entrepreneur and his story. You can find out more information about him by clicking the link in the description below. I'd like to give a content warning for any strong language used in this episode, and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. In three, two, one. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for being interested. So, the first question I would like to ask is, what would your origin story be, and how would you like to represent it? Definitely. Um. So, for my origin story, uh, it's a good question, and I, I believe it's kind of aligned with like, the book I'm writing, the second book I'm writing. Um, and I'm not stuck on this yet. It's kind of like just popping my head, playing around my head, but it's uh, kidnapped to convict the CEO. It kind of uh, really, really quickly and in a quick and dirty way kind of sums up my story from, you know, 11 years old to where I'm sitting right now. Nice, nice. And you will write, will keep it as a book? Would you make a series? Yeah, so basically the, the book I'm writing right now is a, a compilation of uh, my, my journals from when I was in prison. I'm adding a preface and a forward and, a, and an outro to it basically to kind of segue into the next book, which is going to kind of outline um, you know, all the boot camps, the institutions, and places I went to as a child. Um, and then moving from there, obviously, to getting in a life of drugs and, and partying and craziness uh, to finally, you know, ending up where I am now uh, in West L.A. running a business and, you know, kind of in a totally different place where I was 10 years, 15 years, especially 20 years ago. Nice. So I guess since we started about your story, introduce it already. So let's get into it. So you say, hey, yeah, like, uh, you say interesting or very challenging um, life and how you got up to this point. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I was, so was going to say the first thing is like, um, is like you know, Paris Hilton, right? Uh, the famous uh, Hilton girl. But she actually recently did a documentary about this called, I believe, This is Paris or This is Me, where she kind of spoke about one of these schools that she got sent to in the U.S. Um, and these schools I was sent to as a child, and I was kind of like, kind of leads into the kidnapping story. Um, are for-profit businesses. Uh, they lobby towards presidential campaigns, um, you know, to keep child advocacy laws certain ways. Um, and, you know, these schools basically manipulate parents looking to get their kids help. Uh, the line of the parents are also abusing the kids. Um, you know, me, my brothers and sisters, I'm also survivors. I mean, we're never allowed to communicate in these schools. We found each other afterwards thanks to Facebook. Um, but, you know, everything from abuse to rape to physical to mental to torture um, to just straight up lies and manipulation, um, you know, and just very, very traumatic times, you know, for everyone that went through it as a kid growing up. And the worst part about it is they're still in operation today. Um, the ones I went to were on the borders of the U.S. and Mexico, as well as U.S. and Canada, uh, called the Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs. Um, and they've changed their names and have all kind of lawsuits filed against them, uh, but they're still operational. There's still kids, like as we speak right now, sitting in Tecate, uh, Baja, California, um, you know, waking up at two o'clock in the morning, being made to count outside in the rain, being shoved on the ground, hands and feet tied behind their back. Um, you know, girls out there, their kids getting played with sexually, um, not getting medical care and not getting any kind of schooling. I um, mean, you know, all this happens like 
in, in 2021 in today's world right now. Um, and also, you know, back then when I was a kid too. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, crazy yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, but since you're luckily you made through all that and then you said you went through some more stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, so I mean, after after I finally got out of the, that last school, so I, I went the first time when I was 12, um, I actually was, I was, I was like at that, that age, I was kind of rebellious. You know, my family's Indian, so they want, you know, the kids to be home, studying, you know, be good, yes, man, yes, sir, type of thing, and kind of listen to them. And I was the opposite. I wanted to be out and about. I wanted to play with my friends. I talked back a lot. I fought a lot with them and, you know, with other people as well. Um, so eventually I got caught sticking my father's car out when I was around 12 years old. I would, you know, put the keys in, push it down the driveway and started halfway down the street. And I got pulled over by the police uh, in a small town in Mississippi. Um, and they happened to know my father and called him instead of, you know, taking me to jail. Um, and the next day, my mom was taking me to San Diego, flying me there, telling me I was going to some kind of camp where they'd take care of me and stuff. Um, so we drive to San, fly to San Diego, drive down to Baja, California and Sonata. And um, they're talking to the like, you know, staff there. And as soon as you're, you say bye to your parents and you walk through one door, everything changes. The lights get dim, your hair gets shaved off, your clothes get ripped off. You start getting yelled at and screamed at and pushed and shoved and told like, you're going to be here forever. You don't know how long you're going to be here. You, you just get better get used to it, listen to the rules. Um, and that was the first one I went to. From there, from like 12 to 17, I was just bouncing around from military school, Catholic boarding school, different boarding schools. Uh, I got kicked out of one school in, um, in Alabama. Uh, this racist kid started saying things to me. I told him that if you ever said to me again, I'll kill you. I'm 13 or 14 years old, obviously, so I didn't mean that I would kill him. But, you know, I was it's by coming from a Mexican boot camp, I wasn't about to take any crap from anybody. Um, and that's what I learned there at a young age. You know, if you kind of show a weakness that people bounce all over you. Um, so at this school, I, I kind of said the same thing. And they kicked me out for that, uh, you know, which obviously infuriated my parents and started me getting sent out to another military school, another boot camp. And that was kind of my pattern, six months, you know, in a boot camp or institution around the country or six months at home and back and forth. Until finally, I went to the last one that went to a 17 where I was actually woken up from my bed um, you know, like two o'clock in the morning by two guys that were so tall. They had to turn off the fans in my room to even like to be able to come inside my room. And um, they escorted me across the country in cuffs to the border of Canada and um, New York uh, in a small town called Augensburg, which is where I went at 17, where I finally graduated high school. And I mean, just as abusive, just as crazy the program, um, you know, I was 17, I was larger. Um, they couldn't touch me sexually. They couldn't hit me physically. They couldn't do the same things they did to me when I was 12 years old. Um, so eventually I got out of that place, graduated high school from there early with a fake diploma because the place wasn't even accredited for a high school diploma. And when I got out, I was like, basically, F the world. I was like, no one can tell me anything. I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, and I dove headfirst into a lifestyle of like partying, drugs, women, late nights, selling drugs, doing drugs, violence. Um, and that kind of was my life from, you know, 17, 18 until about 21 is when I got caught with a, like a large distribution of a uh, cocaine charge. I've been, you know, arrested at least 10, 15 times before that for small things, but nothing that, you know, led me to, you know, getting in big trouble. But this was a, a felony in the state of Alabama and it was, you know, a big deal. Um, and that was the next six years of my life, seven years of my life was in and out of jails, rehabs, um, house arrest, lockdown facilities, and then eventually uh, prison. And, um, you know, as I say, everything happens for a reason. Um, and because back then, you know, regardless of what I was going through and why I went through it, whatever kind of trauma I had and mindset or identity I had tied to myself, 
I still had no real direction. I didn't really know where I wanted to go in life, what I wanted to do. Um, but in prison, I actually kind of started making business plans. And I was like, you know what? I just got accepted into law school. They said, no, I couldn't go because I was a felon. Uh, the judge wouldn't let me out. Um, so I was like, man, like, I don't want to be professional anymore. I want to be professional and make my parents happy and, you know, make something out of my life that I thought I didn't know what to do with. And in prison, I started making business plans. And what's wild is the business that I own now that I run and operate has been uh, successful now for almost eight years, Hair Made in India. I wrote that one business, one page business plan while sitting, hiding underneath the bunk uh, in an Alabama state prison uh, on a snuck in cell phone, making phone calls to my bunk mates, sister and girlfriend, asking questions about, you know, pricing, inventory in the marketplace and how to source. Um, and then, you know, when I got out of prison, I dove back in the same lifestyle kind of. Um, started selling again, same circles, everything. And I mean, I had my house, my cars, my clothes, my money, you know, girls, everything all set up finally. Um, I got assaulted and all my teeth and my jaw broken and everything with wires and everything. I finally, after a year, two years or so, um, I got my teeth back. And one day my dad came to me, actually November 14, 2013, he came to me and said, you know, you have your teeth back, you're done with your prison, you're done with your probation. You know, I don't know where you are anymore. You're not coming home really. You're not talking to us, do you want to get away? Do you want to just leave and go to some other country? And, you know, me and my dad has always butted heads and sent me around the world against my will for my whole life. So um, the way he came to me, though, was just so different. And um, I know there was a higher power, you know, higher energy, call it God, call it whatever, you know, you want to call it. It kind of came to my heart and spoke to me. It was like, wow, it's time to go try something different. And I was scared, man. I didn't know what to do, what I was going to do, what I was going to look like, where I was going to go with it. Um, but I said, you know what? It's time to let go of everything. And the drugs that I had, I even gave that pill bottle to my dad. Said, here, this is what I was doing. Keep it. Um, the girls I was with said bye. The circles I was in, I said bye. Everything I thought that was me, you know, like the dope boy, playboy, party animal, the cars, party, the money. I just said bye to everything. I went to India. And um, that was the first time I actually consciously tried to start my life over. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I had, it was definitely didn't just click and become better. Um, it was a tough, tough journey since then as well. It's been almost seven, eight years now, and I've had lots of ups and downs. The one thing I haven't done is gone back to that lifestyle of selling dope, of being in the streets, of waking up just to party, of waking up in different beds with different women. You know, I haven't gone back to that lifestyle like that yet, or not yet at all. I don't have like an urge or a craving to go back there now. Now that I've kind of felt this life and I've attained somewhat, you know, for successful um, business as well as life kind of balance. Um, I just want to continue progressing forward every day. Um, and one of the biggest things and like I've learned now is it's not linear. It's not just a quick race to get to healing and to get to betterness and wellness. Um, you got to be gentle. You got to be, you know, ready to work with the work in and then enjoy the journey on the way. Um, and, and that's where I am today. You know, I live on the West, in West L.A. in Beverly Hills. My showroom is down the street. Um, I have a nice, small, tight-knit team. We do very well together. Uh, we're doing six figures a month on average. And we're continuing to push forward, push forward, push forward, and just uh, continue to grow. Nice. And get into all that. What kind of kept you motivated? I know you said that you got mad at the world and everything. So besides kind of with that, what kind of, even in that, in that emotional state, what kind of kept you keep going in life? Man, like back then, like when I was like, before I went to India, it had to have been, you know, once again, a greater power just keeping me alive. Because there's so many times I was stabbed, shot at, doing robbing myself, getting robbed, like in situations that were just it's life or death you're playing with your life. Um, as I got to India and got back to California, eventually started my business. 
I started incorporating things like yoga, meditation, reading, uh, listening to YouTube videos like Trent Shelton, Ralph, Ralph Smart, Joe Dispenza, um, you know, all these guys, Sutguru, to put out good, positive vibes and information out there. And they became my models, my role models. They became my teachers. They became my saviors in a certain sense. I mean, even when I uh, made it back to America in California, eventually, I had to go through a separation with my ex-wife. And I got to a really, really depressed state, living in California alone, homeless in a minivan, um, going back to the same people I used to hang out with before. And I once again, I had to say, Rock, do you want to get back in the same thing? Because that's what you're about to do if you hang out with this crowd. And I pulled away from all them, and I was looking for a mentor or a guidance or a coach or something like that. Couldn't afford it back then. Um, and I couldn't find anyone either. So, you know, these guys on YouTube and these books I started reading and this meditation lifestyle and yoga lifestyle, and, and I quit eating meat. Um, you know, I even now recently quit smoking weed and drinking hard liquor, period. And all these small, like, baby steps I've been taking have kind of slowly brought me back to center, first of all, and allowed me to start healing from all this stuff in my past, that's, you know, trauma and stuff from childhood, but also what we don't realize, I think a lot of us as men especially, that a lot of this stuff that happened as kids, like it programmed us in a certain way. It programmed us to, to not trust certain things, not trust authority, um, to, you know, have a flight or fight and survival type of mindset. Um, and usually what they say is like, if you're just trying to survive, you know, how are you going to thrive? So I had to kind of like, and I still do on a daily basis, but I'm telling you, like, I still have bad dreams. Like I have to kind of like fight that down and learn to heal and learn about myself and become aware of like why I'm thinking like this, why I'm reacting like this. And what doesn't serve me and what kind of mindset doesn't serve me anymore. And it's tough. It's a struggle. Like I, I still go up and down sometimes during the days, even, you know, where I'm like, I'm just really sad or down or depressed. Like right now, I just I hurt my knee again. Um, I, I cracked, I had an ACL tear. So I'm like, I'm struggling right now with like not being able to have part of my morning routine that's activity, like working out, going to the gym. Um, it just kind of brings my state down a little bit. Um, but I recognize it now, right? I recognize like it's not just a random feeling that's happening to me. Like, you know, this is this. I asked myself, Rocky, like, why are you feeling like this? Oh, okay, you can't move how you want to move right now. So you're actually feeling down. Like, are you going to let that lead to the rabbit hole and go start smoking weed again to cover it up? Or are you going to, like, you know, breathe, relax, understand to feel it, and then, you know, what are you going to do to work through it? Which for me now is unfortunately a surgery. Um, that's just like, you know, one example. So, yeah, a lot of it I see is like self awareness and self discipline or keeping, like, even though every day is a battle. And every day, it's like, it's not like starting the race over again, but you're at the next checkpoint. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. And then with that, since you also have a business, what kind of led you to business? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, like I wanted to be, I had, I wanted to be a lawyer for the reason of I wanted to go, first of all, back to Alabama and free all the people who are sentencing correctly. And all the people, because when I was in prison, I was basically like a prison lawyer. I would write people's motions. I would take GED or help out in GED class. I would help people as much as I could. I really love doing it. I'm, I'm really, they say law is boring and dry. But for me, in criminal law, I read a case. Um, I love researching it. And I had fun doing it. Um, so I wanted to do that. And I wanted to change the, the child advocacy laws, the juvenile laws, for no kids that would go through I went through again. Um, you know, that didn't really work out. So because of my, my felony and going to prison and this and that. So um, I've always been an entrepreneur by nature. I was that kid who used to sell lemonade, lemonade stands, trade baseball and basketball cards, cut grass for money. I'm always trying to go to the next level financially. So the business thing kind of came naturally. And while I was in prison, instead of wasting time doing other things, I would start writing business plans. And Hair Made India was one of them. It was a one-page business plan. I told you I had a snuck-in cell phone to my bunkmate. 
be called out. Um, and a couple of years later, when I was in India, out of prison, um, it came in front of me. And, and I was looking for what to do with my life. I do something legit. And I made one Facebook post. And all my homegirls from high school were like, what? Rock, you got hair. And we're going to rock with you. Bring it back home. Bring it back home. And so since that day, uh, 2013, something like that, I haven't looked back. And, you know, it's been a struggle. I've had a lot of ups and downs in the business as well, where I've, like, even thought about giving it up and what else am I going to do. I had a job teaching tennis for the first three, two or three years of the business. So I tore my ACL the first time uh, and had to let go, you know, teaching tennis and then dive full head first in the business. And then once I came to Cali and my ex-wife left me out here, uh, basically homeless, that's when I really realized like, you know, Rocky, all my friends like, Rocky, come home to Alabama. Parents like, come home. You know, you'll be okay. Come home. We have a home for you here. And I was just like, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing it. So I think that was my make it or break it. You know, I'm like, I'm scared to even imagine like what would have happened if I decided uh, not to come back, you know, like to say, no, nah, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Alabama. I'm not going to keep trying in California. Uh, but I did, I kept trying in Cali and within a year, two years, uh, my business was like literally doing two X, three years, five X now sitting on four or five years later, um, literally 10 X from where I started at when I first came to Cali, living in a minivan, you know, staying in hostels and on the side of the street sometimes even. And um, I love it, man. Like, Hair is not my thing for real. I don't really care about my hair too much. I mean, like, but logistics, um, making, making, I do business to business, right? I, I help girls and guys start businesses, run their businesses and continue their businesses to have a solid team and a solid person to back them up honestly and transparently and make sure they keep getting their product. And I love doing that. It feels like, and I hate to compare it to the dope in the streets, but a lot of my clients do. It's so similar selling hair and, you know, working with businesses this wholesaling like something like I was doing in my past. However, it's not the same at all. Obviously, it's, it's not illegal. It's totally legit. Um, and I love doing it. And I've, I've learned and grown so much, you know, within this business about myself and about life um, that I've had the opportunity and the blessing to open two or three more businesses from a, a vacation rental condo company to a CBD company to now finally doing something that kind of more fulfills my heart, which is trying to spread my story and my message in hopes of like inspiring and motivating. And like the one thing that I love the most when people either hear my story from a YouTube video or a podcast or something, and they reach out and like, well, man, like, that's why I didn't know that about you. And I appreciate you for sharing that. That, that really, really motivated me. And I really love what you said about, you know, getting rid of distractions or how you were in prison and then took prison to where you are now. And that really just fills my heart up. That I can just, that gives me energy for, for days, just like, just hearing that and feeling that connection with somebody. Nice. It also be like, I made in the middle of that I made a connection about like your time in prison, like doing a lot of um work and stuff, almost like an internship before becoming a lawyer. Yeah. Like you're doing the like you're doing like the I mean it's like the assistant stuff for yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Paralegal almost like and yeah, that, that's honestly I feel like if I ever wanted to or needed to fall back on like something like that, one I would love doing it. And two, I feel like I'd be able to pick it up like this, you know, because like well, I think that all of us have the power to kind of do what we want within us. And if we quiet ourselves and get rid of the distractions enough, it's like, yo, I love doing this. Now, there's no limitation on that. After that, just facing your fears. Because then all you need to do is like, if you love it, you can do it. You just go for it. And you'll figure out a way. It might not be A to B or A to Z the way you want it to be, the way you think it'll look. But that journey on the way there, you'll find your own road and it'll turn out being beautiful the whole way. So, yeah. And then now you're able to help others. So it's like... There's always that self-actualization at the end of it where you're able to see either parts of yourself or something that's wrong and you're able to fix it or at least try to fix it. 
Exactly, exactly. And that's a, that's a daily thing as well, too, you know, like, that we have problems, we have issues in life, and every day, like, you might pat yourself in this and that. That's okay. But you got to understand why you're saying it, why you're doing it, and not act on it, and then kind of get beyond it. And I struggle, you know, I struggle a lot with a lot of things like that still. Um, but I'm at the point now where, like, I have tools, you know, like, where I am struggling too much, I have tools to, to lean back on and say, Ralph, like, you need to do this right now. This is what you need. This is what your body, your mind, your heart, and your soul needs right now. You need to do it. Instead of, you know, whatever else I used to do. I used to have really unhealthy coping mechanisms with the drinking and partying and, and women and drugs and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Kind of thought, no, I lost the thought, but, um, I was say I was thinking about like how people say about like destiny. I think in like first free will, I think there's a mixture of it. Like you might have a set, there's set paths for you, but it's up to you to choose which one you go into. Like let's say there's three paths and one is like a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer, and it's up to you to figure out to choose which one and then you go into that path. So I think when you decide to stay in LA, it was like one of those moments. Exactly. It's like, it's kind of like you said, it's so cool because it's like a, it's like a, it's like a hard like place to like say anything definite answer wise. Cause it's like, yeah, we kind of all have like somewhat of a destiny, right? But we also get to create and choose that, that path along the way too. You know, like I just, I love that too. Cause it's, it's almost like that's like the basic philosophy, right? Like you can't give like a, a direct answer. You can just talk about it and say like, you know, it could be this, could be that, or maybe this might be that. But like at the end of the day, the, the quote I love the most is like, that journey, regardless of where it is, when you're choosing it consciously, um, it's a beautiful journey and you will be happy getting there. Um, and that's the reason why I didn't go to med school or go to law school. I, I, I was going to go to law school, but it still wouldn't have been probably my decision. And the universe that uh, is here for us kind of helped me in that sense because it knew inside of me. I knew too. I didn't really want to do this. I have other reasons to want to do it and it's not for me. Um, so, you know, the medical school thing, I was able to say no to. But the law school thing, the universe had to hop in and say, hey, don't do this, Rocky. Like, you're not going to be happy with it. And it told me that. And I, I learned that lesson the, the hard way. Um, but I did. You know, I learned it, and I'm grateful for, for that. I'm grateful for my time in prison. I know a lot of people don't say that. But um, the stuff I learned in there, uh, you know, I mean, people to people, from the people I still know, like I still talk to, um, to just the way the world works and the system works, um, that's a lesson that you can't learn anywhere else. I mean, you can hear people talk about it. And yeah, that's what I think talking about it is for, for people to understand like those lessons we learned and those struggles we went through. Um, but when you go through it and it's you're right there in it, you know, um, those lessons are invaluable and, and I hope to be able to share those with the world. In sharing your message with the world, how else besides like speaking about it, are you doing it? So I'm writing those books. Um, mm -hmm. The one, one is about to be coming out. I'm about to move into the publishing phase within the next couple of weeks. The second one is like kind of the whole life story from like detailing my childhood stuff all the way to how I became, you know, successful in this company. So that one I'm still kind of working on. Uh, and then I do a lot of podcasts. Um, I want the podcast, the book eventually turn into actually speaking at prisons and in schools and at business communities around the world. Uh, and then, you know, social media, we're blessed with these days, all kinds of technology. So um, I share quite a bit on my Instagram, quite a bit on my Facebook, a little bit here and there on my Facebook, on my uh, YouTube as well. And my business, I've created in a way, I didn't do it on purpose. I just kind of didn't know what else to do except talk and like myself talk. So I was like, people now that, you know, follow my company, Hairman India, they get to see kind of the inside look into what it looks like to be a quote unquote hair vendor and also what my life, you know, Rocky Candola actually looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my mind's 
jumps around. So going back to like business, I think a lot of times the people say they're going to like career that you love. But I think there might be a different way where you do something you're good at and have your like your passion or your career or like something you love be like a hobby. Because a lot of times you get burnt out and work no matter if you love it or not. So if you do something you're good at, you know that you're good at. So it's not like you don't have to worry about like either learning about it or um like having that hurdle. But you can still do it, even though you may not love it. You can still do it for like the money, and there's no emotional attachment to it. And then exactly. you have your hobby. Go ahead. Exactly. And then like like, like you were saying too, like all that stuff that we do like sometimes for money, like it gives us the freedom and the ability to follow our passions, other things that we want to do more. So it's like it's all a balance. Like in the beginning, I taught tennis. I love teaching tennis, but at that point in my life, I was mainly teaching like to be able to support ourselves. You know, like when I was with my ex-wife back then, and to kind of make it somewhere because I didn't have any money. I didn't have I didn't really do anything. And I wanted this business to run. My passion was to, you know, start a community business where a group of us are like-minded and moving towards common goals. And we got love. We share love. We're open with each other. We're transparent with each other. And we're all making money and moving forward together. And, you know, hair wasn't my passion. Hair just happened to be that tool that, you know, took me to where I am now. Because I remember about four years ago, five years ago in L.A., I was having to lie about like my background. I wouldn't want to tell my hair clients or the people that I did business with, you know, I made this business in prison. I'm a convict. Uh, I was scared to say that kind of stuff. My parents hated me saying it. So eventually I got to a point where I was like, man, I'm miserable with this. Like if I can't be real about it, I'm not going to do this anymore. And as soon as I got real and say, you know what? I'm just telling the truth. I didn't lose any clients. I gained so many clients and so many people were inspired and motivated by it that eventually it led me to be where we are now is speaking about it publicly to writing books about it to talking to my clients and coaching them about it as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, like I guess people like we're now we're in the point of often authenticity. Of uh, people want to see your story and they want to connect to it and want to smish, see that as real because a lot of times where they they say like in, industry plants where they put a person in with the image, where they look in past their image, there's nothing there that people will flock to it. Exactly. Exactly. And you're right. These days, people are looking for the authenticity and that experience. Like, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, and like you can't provide, at the very least, that that transparent authenticity, and then beyond that, somewhat of an experience-based type of thing, like something different than what everyone else is doing, a little bit at least, um, it's going to be very hard to like you know kind of rise to the top. And you know, with, with my company, accidentally, that's exactly what I did because I'm not like any other people that do what I do. It's almost like a totally different type of setup that I have. And then when you was making a business plan, did you know anything about business or you were just kind of just going off the rim? Man, everything I knew about business came from the street, like the, <laughs> what, I, what I knew about common sense and how to turn a dime into a uh, nickel into a dollar, you know what I mean, type of thing. Like, that was it. I mean, and I, I, I mean, I'm not a, a stupid kid. I'm smart. You know, I excel in my classes. I took some business classes in college as well. Um, but to be honest, I don't think I used any of it, you know, in my, in my actual business. When I actually started doing business is when I started being like, oh, now I need to learn how to use YouTube. Oh, now I need to learn how to use Google AdWords. Oh, now I need to learn how to use WordPress. And these things, like these skills and, and knowledge I've acquired in the last seven, eight years owning my business um, have put confidence in me, knowing that, you know, no matter what happens, um, I can shift, I can move, I can be adaptable enough to start something else and do something else. Um, and I have, you know, and, and that's, that's where my real learning came in. I think a lot of us that have entrepreneurial spirits, that's how we are. You know, if we want to push the envelope, we want to try new things. And then as, you know, there's troubles and the struggles come along, 
we're going to go find that information out there. We're not going to go, oh, I don't know how to, to make a website, so I'll give up. Like, no, we're going to Google stuff. We're going to use some stuff. We're going to ask our friends. We're going to drive to Atlanta from, from Mississippi and, and go ask one of our buddies from high school to sit on the laptop and, and work on it and show me how to do this, you know? And that's kind of what I believe at the, at the heart of, like, entrepreneurial kind of spirit is. Yeah. For me, I'm also just like a person who's just like, I don't have an answer. Either I'll figure it out or I know somebody who does. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And then, yeah, also, like, a lot of times, the like, stuff you learn from unorthodox, unorthodox places can be, like, the realest. A lot of times the textbook is more of um, just information. But, like, real life gives you, even though, you know, like you said, from the streets and everything, but, like, a lot of the principles, like, for me, like, I think, like, the streets and, like, I guess you could say corporate are, like, mirrors of each other. They're pretty much the same principles, same structures. Yeah. Not the same dangers, but dangers nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. I mean, corporate America is, is wild. It's just it's just they make it legal and put a nice little pretty picture painted over it. You know, like some of the corporations that we have in this country today um, are direct. When you see on the news all the time are direct results of like why we have housing market crashes, why we have over our, um, you know, weather problems, climate problems, why we have financial problems. You know, like it's and that's the direct part of a lot of these corporations. The place I went to as a kid. Um, their corporations lobbying to presidential campaigns, you know, so like, and those are the ones, that, you know, plus the, especially the common people, like we're looking up, like, oh, like, we should respect them and we should, oh, they're the, they're the, who we should strive for. And I think nothing could be farther from the truth. And a lot of it in our point, our education system, especially in college, is geared toward teaching you how to be a good worker for them, you know, and, and that's kind of where they want you stuff. That's why they want you in the debt. I think if you're going, you know, for a professional career, then yeah, you're gonna have to have that that general knowledge, that textbook knowledge, and then eventually, well, that clinical knowledge too. Um, but for you know entrepreneurial lifestyles and you know starting your own business, which people think, oh, everyone wants to do it now. Yeah, they do. But first of all, 80% of people aren't really putting their heart into it. Um, and then the ones that are, like that might look like the marketplace is saturated, it's not. There's so much space out there to do so many different things um, in every different type of industry. So I hope no one ever feels discouraged about you know that. And staying on like the business, um, we watch a comedy trap house, another podcast that's talking about how there's two types of people. There's a dreamer who will, like sleep in the car and wait for the dream to come, like so working towards the dream. And there's like a hustler who's like somebody who's wants to maintain a lifestyle and just like they feel a certain way, they get below a certain amount of money, thing. then they go into working towards getting that money again. For me, I feel like more of a hustler, more of a person who's like, I kind of. I will kind of just work, not like I have like things I want to accomplish, but like in the meantime, I'll just work and figure out things to the means to an end. Yeah, I mean, one thing for me, like when it comes like the money, like and and two or three, actually not even a year ago, I had made this status where I'm, I've got a spot downtown the Staples Center, right across the street from Staples Center. I'm looking successful. I have this identity. I have this nice big loft. Um, and I started to create the identity again around people thinking I was successful because of money where I'm at. And I got, I got so sick of it. I'm like, yo, I gave everything away. I'm talking about my suits, my shoes, uh, my bedding, my furniture, my kitchen stuff, my electronics, the apartment, everything. And um, I gave it all away and moved into a hostel again. And I loved it. And since then and before then as well, I knew that money was not, we got to have money, right? I knew that money wasn't going to be the thing that made me happy, right? Because, I mean, at, at a young age, I kind of, I was blessed. I didn't have the opportunity to travel 
and to see nice things. So as an adult now, I don't have everything I have even on right now. Like this is all presents and gifts. I would never buy myself an expensive chain. I don't know why. Like I don't care how much money I have. Like I'll, I'll just never buy one. Like that's not what what I want to get. You know what I mean? And, and the what I want to spend my money on, traveling wise, like it doesn't really cost that much, especially when you're smart and doing it well. For me, the reason I want to attain different levels of money is so I can put those opportunities in other people's hands. So I'm like, hey, check this out. You can grow this. I can help you. And here's like a fund and like you know to start with or something like that. And what I realized is, you know, my father's family has some money as well. So many of these people that have all this money are so miserable. You know what I mean? Like they just, they, they put on this facade and, and they're not really doing what they want to do. They don't have the freedom. They don't have the time. They're just not really happy. It's not for everybody. There's plenty people that are successful and rich that are happy. But so many of them aren't that I've realized like it's just, that's not what I'm going to chase. Not the money, you know? Yeah. It's like that rat race, chasing the carrier. Because you can never have enough. Yeah. Like if that's all you want, you're never going to be able to have enough. You're just going to keep wanting more and more. You just say, well, I want a million. Once you want a million, get a million dollars and you have that mindset, you're going to try to raise your lifestyle with a million dollar lifestyle. And then you're going to need two million. You're going to need to pay the taxes on whatever you bought a million for and everything else as well. So it just keeps, keeps going from there. Like what's, what's good? A million dollars is good, but what's better? Two million. And then you saw him like, a billion is better than a billion. Uh, two billion. You just keep going. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. For me, my most important, the most expensive thing I'll usually buy is just my sneakers. But anything else is pretty much just like that could be cheap. It could be from Old Navy. I don't really care, as long as I like it. Yeah, as long as, as long as it makes you happy. Where it's, it's always fine. Like when I was younger too, like I was, I used to have like I used to spend ridiculous money on like putting systems in my car big 18 inch subwoofers and stuff like that you know i used to and now like i'm like i don't care what i what i drive really like car that i have right now i got played in a business deal um and signed my name stupidly on someone's paper thinking he's gonna pay me and he stopped paying on me you know what i mean so i had to go take his ad from him that's the reason i have that car otherwise i still be out here in a minivan you know, happy with all kind of trunk space you know what I mean? like <laughs> all the way good so this lady this had woman for one person in here i like this yeah. Nice. It's all yeah, business and everything. So as you're continuing learning a business, what kind of been like surprising with you with business? The, the thing that surprised me the most, um, which I didn't understand in the beginning, I didn't know in the beginning, was that as entrepreneurs, as people that are in business for ourselves, working on ourselves, working on our personal lives, correlates more than anything else to succeeding more in your business. It doesn't make sense to me even now sometimes. I'm like, how am I going to handle all these little small problems with clients and accounting and legal and your website, this and that, by making myself better? Um, but if you really, really think about it, like, if you're, if you're working on yourself, on your life, on your lifestyle, on, what you're, on how you wake up and when you go to sleep, on your routines, your habits, on your, on your love, your grace, on your loving yourself and everything all at once, the energies behind that will elevate everything in your life and everything around you. And I've seen it. You know, now I'm not at the point now where I have to think about it or, or debate it or, you know, eh, it might, might not. I've seen it happen. I've seen the magic work. Um, so I just keep doing it. And I still sometimes get lost. Sometimes I get so into like trying to do this and that on the computer or the laptop and this and that. Uh, try to take a step back. And I notice now that every time I step back, this just goes crazy. You know, it just booms. And um, every time I do, I think that, oh man, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to lose the money. I'm going to lose clients. I don't know what's going to happen. 
Um, but no, it's not because I think the universe knows I've put in a level of work and a level of hustle for years and years and years on end now. They're like, I need to pay attention to myself. I need to look after Rocky to make sure I can continue to do this because I'm helping people. I'm helping other businesses. I'm touching people. And in order for me to keep doing that, I got to keep myself and my energy pulled up as well. So yeah. that's one of the most surprising things. Also, then it comes from like a point like if you see the leaders kind of messed up, then people are going to be like, they're going to make ideas in their head about how secure are they. So to be so to be the strong, then like, okay, I don't have to worry about that. I can put all my focus on fixing this problem. Exactly, bro. Exactly. Yeah. And then I was thinking about going back to the idea of you being authentic, and that's how you got like more customers. I also think like that's always kind of been the thing, at least from the United States point of view of branding, because like you think like McDonald's, you kind of you kind of had that child childlike um nostalgia from it. And that's kind of the story you go with. And the Burger King being like a rival to it. And then now Starbucks being like more like like um supposedly being like upper class, not yeah. like upper class, like middle class type fast food places. And then I guess like when and also, when you're being more authentic, you are able to express more energy and more like ripeness inside when you're talking to people about your business. So I guess that also resonated with them. Exactly. And I say this all the time, like business is about relationships, right? And it's also about the exchange of value. And, you know, people that are working hard for their, you know, tool, which is currency, which is money, um, they want to feel trustworthy. They want to feel like they're someone that they're doing business or they spend their money somewhere with someone they can trust and not only just trust you know like oh uh, money's not going to be taken but I'm, I'm trusting myself my, my my value my currency my energy exchange into someone that is real and it's such like doing good or trying to do good or trying to help you know like um like that's why all these companies and corporations big ones especially um give back so much and, and make it you know public not to mention the tax right else they get well it, it does it kind of kind of puts it out there it's like okay like they're actually you know looking to do something, you know, better. Even what Nike, you know, has been doing recently, you know, with their ads and like kind of targeting like certain like groups and like people love it. I love it. I mean, it's like, okay, cool. Like there y'all are a powerhouse company, dominate the world, but you still understand like reach people at a, in their heart and you're gonna get, you know, more more of that back. Right. And that's what that's about. Like we're all humans. We all we all have that exchange, energy exchange between us. When you get business down to just numbers and just transactions. Um, you really lose the point of what it is. You know, if we didn't have currency and money, it would be like back was in the day. It'd be all like trade. You know, we're trading one one energy, one one thing for another. Um, and you know, a lot of these people that are just about numbers and, and you know, you know, making the statistics go forward would not know what to do. You know, and I think that's a very very important lesson. And I've learned that um, over time as well. You know, because being in the streets, you know, you don't really think about anything. So, yo, I got this, and I need that paper from you. I'm gonna go ahead and get it. You know, but I mean, to be real, even back then when I was like hustling and stuff like that, I would charge more money for my products back then than people around me would. But I'm not, you know how most people are like, oh, you want drug dealer time? You're going to be 20 minutes late. But no, nah, I'll be there early on time. I'll come to you. I'll make sure to say this. And I used to do all kind of small stuff like that. And even though it was the wrong path or an illegal lifestyle, I've translated that to who I am now in my business as well. I'm on time for my calls. I'm on time for my clients. I got it all organized. I know who they are. I call them by their name. You know, I take care of them. I make sure they're good. I make sure their money is safe. And I make sure they get their products on time and properly. The customer service. Exactly. Customer service. Come from both lifestyles. 
<laughs> yeah, that's funny. Guess you do a couple more than we'll be done. So yeah. So entrepreneurship is like you said before, on the way. Everybody it's like like people are hopping on to it, but then you don't it's like it's like sports as you're going up, there's a lot of people playing it and then it trickles down as each level goes up. That's those people are there. For different reasons, of course. Yeah, and I think that's where people are lost with it right now, right? Because on Instagram and on social media, so many people like look like they're just like, you know, flying high and everything like that. And the truth is, like, it's just there's only a certain people at a certain percentage of like the higher levels, you know, in this game. And I'm not saying I'm even at a level like that high yet, but I have seen myself kind of progress through there. And the first thing you have to get is like, and I had to tell people that on my team this as well, like if you're working nine to five, you have security. And honestly, if I wasn't a felon and I found the right company, I might be in a nine to five. Like the universe helped me to get to where I am right now. Um, because I just wanted to be around good people making money. That's it. Um, so like when you first start, you're gonna trade your time. You're gonna put work in, you know, and people believe different things about how it come to you. But what I've learned, what I've seen, what I've seen successful become successful, um, is the work. You know, like you, you put the hustle, you put the grinding, you put the work in, you put the time in, and you build it, and you build whatever you want to build, your brand, your product, your service, whatever it is. And as it gains momentum, then you get to a place where you're actually doing well. Anybody can, you know, start a company, full business credit, flash fifty thousand dollars on cars and this and that, get an EIN number, you know, get some business trade lines and act like they're in a G wagon and look good. I mean, but can you do that for ten years? Can you set your kids up? Can you set your friends up? Can you keep that going and rolling, you know? And you don't have to. You can start and stop and quit and this and that if you want. If that's what you're looking to do. Um, but that's not the game I'm playing. I'm not playing that short game. I'm playing that that long game. That like, hey, in five years and ten years, where are we going to be sitting? How's this company doing? Where am I going to be in my life, my business, my balance? And I think that if more entrepreneurs would have that mindset going into the game, that this market would seem a lot less saturated. Because a lot of people that start businesses and want entrepreneurs, they don't, they don't want to put that work in. They don't want to, you know, do all that stuff and take all that time. They want it right then and right there because they see a couple hundred people on Instagram on, on social media that have done it. And some people get lucky. Some people have the right ends. You don't really ever know what someone's true story is on social media. You know, sometimes people might have a family member that was able to help them in a certain way. Or like I said before, get a business tax line or credit to be able to like, you know, start this or that. Everyone has their own journey, their own routes, their own paths. Um, so like the comparison game, because we are all on digital social media these days, is huge. And a lot of people are, like you said, hopping on that wave. I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to be an entrepreneur without really knowing what that means. You know, like in this day and age, though, like with the abundance that we have of money, of like, you know, digital so social media, like if you can't hop in, you know, like 2020, 2018 um, and just, you know, start it like boom off the bat and you're doing well and get what you need and continue that. And maybe like, you know, like you need to consider something else, in my opinion, um, because like there's just so much out there for us. And you don't have to put all the time like maybe we did 10 years ago into it. Because right now you have shortcuts, you have so much media and technology and stuff to get you there. Um, but if you're not going to put that level of work in that will, you know, continue to progress, um, you're going to eventually fail. And failing isn't bad in, in business. It actually teaches you a lot, a whole lot. You might learn more from a failure than would in success in business because end of the day, it just shows you not how not to do it. And once you learn, say, hey, like, okay, I need to put my time into it. I need to put the schedule down. I need to discipline myself a little bit, and then I'll have the freedoms I want. And you learn that part of it, it's literally skies. There is no limit. You can just keep going and going and going. 
and then I want to ask about identity. How you kind of, I want to ask about identity. Identity. Yeah, what kind of, what can, what does identity mean to you? So, I mean, like I was saying earlier, you know, I got identity is something that um we all look for. Um, we all, it gives us a sense of security, a piece of like connection with the world, right? Um, and mine was built around whatever it was when I was a kid, dope boy, all this and that. Um, and once again, a couple of years ago, a year ago, it got built around being successful, uh, business and living downtown, having a loft. Um, now I'm not so attached with identity. I don't really like labels as much. Um, I know that I have a sense of like who I am and my identity and what's going on, but I consciously tell myself like, wow, this isn't really who you are and this isn't really defining you, you know, like, because uh, first of all, it'll change what you want, who you are, what you need, what your needs are, what your financial level will continue to change. And if you're so stuck with one identity, you're going to miss out on the beauty of what could be in front of you, you know, um, so that's kind of like my, my quick little thing about identity. I, I've learned slowly to like not attach myself so much to the meaning of at least my personal identity and, and the labels that you know other people still put on me they, they call me i do all in all my videos whenever i say hair vendor i'm always like hair vendor because I, <laughs> I don't really like being called a hair vendor even though that's what i am basically for them especially for the business i help i'm a hair vendor um but i'm so much more than that as well you know i'm i'm, I'm like i'm loving i'm grateful i'm kind i travel i love family with my friends with the beach with the water i love all these different things um, that could make up my identity. Uh, I could call it that. Um, I just choose not to. You know, I just I just choose not to. Know. And then wrapping up, let's go to the last question. What would you name your origin story? What I named the origin story? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it would be um, it would be the kidnapped to convict the CEO. I want to think about it longer and give you something better. <laughs> almost like that's just the person that pops in my head. I think that might be the name of my second book as well. Um, you know, or, or maybe something with hair coming there, hair seal or something like that. But that just kind of, it's a quick and dirty summary because that kidnapped 11 to 17, you know, we're not allowed to make decisions in America, the juveniles. So in a certain sense, the entire time I was, you know, basically kidnapped. Um, and then convict, you know, the rest of the time when I got out, I was doing a lot of criminal stuff. You know, I didn't even, I don't think we touched on the surface of like, well, we don't need to go into detail with all the stuff, you know, I was actually doing back then. Um, and then CEO for me as an entrepreneur, as, as a hustler, someone, that has that background and lifestyle um, kind of encompasses everything and says, hey, like, if you're a CEO of a company and you have people working with you, working for you, you know, you've made it definitely beyond being kidnapped stage and definitely beyond being convict stage. Um, so I think that's a good a good name and a title of the story. Nice. And then I'll conclude our conversation. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. That brings another episode of the Let's Get Podcast to a close. Again, I'd like to thank Rocky for joining the podcast. For next week, I have Nicholas to speak about the Low Project and blockchain and cryptocurrencies. I hope you continue your next day and I hope to see you there.